morning's message concerning the concept of mercy, I think that sometimes uh, when we said that we, we limit what mercy means, we, we think of it just as compassion and maybe not the confrontation part of it. I think gratitude can sometimes be devalued as well. And so I'd like to just share some thoughts concerning all of that. So let me open in a word of prayer and then we will um, delve into what I have for us uh, this morning. Let me also preface this by saying, uh, the Lord willing, uh, I'm not making promises, but I think there should be some time at the end of this service. I'd like to prime the pump by asking you to consider those things for which you are grateful to the Lord and would publicly confess. Uh, the message will end with a statement from Psalm 107, verse 2, that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that is a statement of gratitude. That is a statement of thankfulness to the God who has saved us, who has redeemed us. And so I want you just to be thinking along those lines and I'd like to provide an opportunity for uh, those of you that would be so willing to give a, a public expression of gratitude, praise, thanksgiving to God. So with that, let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and we do praise you. Lord, for so many things, we could give you thanks for all things. We are to give you thanks, but we begin with that which is foremost of all. We give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation through his blood. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. We thank you for fellowship restored with you. We thank you for placing us in the body, the church, that you did so by the, the work of your spirit within us. We thank you for the opportunities you afford us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now as we gather in this hour, we ask that you would lead us and guide us as we continue to consider this issue of gratitude. We thank you for each one that is here. We do lift up those who are not with us this morning. We know we have members that are ill, and we pray that your healing hand be upon them. And Lord, we just give you thanks now for this time and ask your blessings upon it in Jesus' name. Amen. On Thanksgiving Day, you know, many of us will give the nod to the pilgrims and the Indians making uh, their, their, themselves ready for the harsh winter that was going to come, that first winter that would come to the new world. But for the Christians, the deepest roots of our thanksgiving actually go much further than what took place amongst the pilgrims and those Indians. It goes back ultimately as far as creation itself, and it has a 2,000-year-old climax. It is a story that keeps coming back to us in our present and gives meaning to our lives, even though we stand today literally half a globe away from ground zero of where all gratitude should flow from, and that is a place called Golgotha, or Calvary, where Christ was crucified. We could call this the true story of thanksgiving, or we could call it the Christian gospel viewed through the lens of that often undervalued virtue of gratitude. What is gratitude? I say to you that gratitude is the quality and the sense of being thankful or grateful. Such consideration opens up some biblical text that we might otherwise 
kind of neglect or downplay, but as we read this statement about gratitude into these texts, and I don't mean that in an unbiblical way. I know we talk about exegesis and eisegesis. We don't read into the text. We let the text speak to us. I say that we miss where gratitude is so deeply rooted in some of the very texts that we may not normally seek to see gratitude. So I want to present to you the true story of Thanksgiving in four stages. And at the end of the message, I again will give you an opportunity to express thanks to God. So we'll be thinking along those lines. But our first point, which that has nothing to do with this at all. I don't know if we have the right PowerPoint or not. That's not the right PowerPoint. That's last week's. I know I, sh I, sh I thought I sent it to you, but can you check the dates, please? Um, so our first point, and we'll have uh, four points, and the first point is formed for thanksgiving. Formed for thanksgiving. God created humanity for gratitude. He created you and me to be a grateful people. We exist. The reason why we have life is to appreciate God. We use all sorts of lingo. What is the chief end of man, we say, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, which is a true statement, but it's ultimately a statement of gratitude to God, appreciating both who God is and how he has acted on our behalf in creating us and then in sustaining our lives that is fundamental to a proper human life. That is what human life is about. That is why we were formed. That is why we were created. So we're saying we don't have this. Okay, so you need to turn in your Bibles to Romans 1 for me, if you would, because I'm going to be, you're going to have to have your Bibles ready, all right? Ready, set, go. Romans chapter 1, okay? As Paul described in Romans 1, what was going wrong or what is wrong with the world, Paul gives us a glimpse of the place of gratitude in the created order. Look with me at Romans 1, verse 21. These are familiar word, uh, words to us, but Romans 1, 21, we read this. For even though they, now who are the they? The they are those who are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. This is, these are unbelievers. And it says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or, and here's the phrase, give thanks. They did not give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, how does that go back to creation? Because if you read just a couple of verses up, well, in verse 20, one verse up, God's invisible attributes in, in his creation have been made known. This is the way it was designed from the beginning. You are to know God, and you are to honor him, and you are to give thanks. That's a clear statement from the Apostle Paul. Part of what the first man and woman were created to do then was, according to this verse, honor God, and they were to do it by what? How do you honor God? You give thanks. You do not honor God if you're not giving thanks. People who fail to give thanks to God are not honoring God. 
And part of what we exist to do then is honor God by being thankful. This is why you have a multitude of verses from the Old Testament and the New Testament, so many commands calling us to be a grateful people. Humanity was created to appreciate God, as I said, but as we've seen here in Romans 1.21, ingratitude has been lurking from the beginning. Ingratitude has been that which has been trying to move us away from giving thanks. And sadly, ingratitude is the default position of the flesh. If you were to give in to your flesh, you would not be thankful. If you were not coached to, to be thankful, you would give in to this desire just to, be, uh, to express ingratitude. I would suggest that one of the ways then you may be able to determine if you are walking in the spirit of God or whether you are walking in the flesh is to ask yourself the question, how much gratitude have I been expressing to God? If you are not consistently giving thanks to God, you are not walking in or by the spirit of God. You might ask, how, have I been specifically giving thanks to God in everything? How many times are there in your life when something bad happens and you ask God, why is this going on? There's nothing wrong with the why question, but the why question should ultimately be followed up with not my will, but your will be done. And thank you, Lord, for taking care of me, even in my difficulties. So we were formed for thanksgiving. But something happened, and that leads to our second point, fallen from thanksgiving. So we were formed for thanksgiving. Secondly, we have fallen from thanksgiving. We have all failed miserably in appreciating God as we ought. The failure of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, as well as the devil before them, was to rightly experience and express gratitude to God. In this sense, Every day is a reliving of the garden story. We, we often will say, if I were Adam, I would not have partaken of the forbidden fruit. But the issue is the ingratitude. Satan wanted more, did he not? Satan wanted more power. Satan wanted more glory. Satan wanted more appreciation. Satan wanted more uh, recognition. And ultimately, in his essence, Satan is an ingrate. He is the ingrate of ingrates. He failed to express gratitude to God, and it cost him his lofty position. And then he sank his venom into the heart of Eden itself. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, and it is a sin of ingratitude. Now, some of you might want to take issue with me and say, well, wasn't it his rebellion? But what is rebellion? It is ingratitude. It's saying, I don't appreciate the position that I've been given by God, and therefore I'm rebelling against it. So there's a failure to be thankful on his part. Adam and Eve, then, are simply painfully ungrateful for what God had given. The first lie of uh, of uh, the, of the serpent to Eve is, did God really say? And she be, he began to get her to question, what was it that God really said? And his method was to try to convince her and her husband that God had somehow 
kept something from them, that God surely knows that the day that you eat of the fruit, that your eyes will be opened and you will, you will know, you will, you will possess things that you did not possess before. That's a statement you should be unthankful for what you have been given. You should, you should be uh, upset that you haven't been given more. Isn't that a spirit of ingratitude? That I need more. I should deserve more. I should get more. I would submit to you that ingratitude is at the heart of all our sin. Every time you express some ingratitude, every sin that you commit is an expression of ingratitude with regard to something that God has given. Our fall was, has always been, and will always be that we are not satisfied in God and what he gives for first and foremost of all. We have the repeated commands to love your God how? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We have the statement that Christ is to come to have what? First place in what? Everything. And so our issue is, is that we find not our satisfaction fully in God, but we begin to look for satisfaction in lesser things, in things that don't actually satisfy at all. And it can be an earthly relationship. It can be in, in power or money or whatever it might be. But the issue is we think that if we have something other than what God has said, then we will be happy. And that's a spirit of ingratitude because God says everything you need is in me. Jesus Christ possesses everything that we need. We hunger for something more, something other than what God provides. And so Satan, the ingrate, spawned what we might say unthankfulness in Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve so wondrously passed that along to you and to me. So we're here today because our first parents were ingrates. And we are the children of ingrates. And we make children that are also ingrates. Before coming to Christ, and sometimes, sadly, even after coming to Christ, we are an unthankful people. We are certainly an unthankful people before Christ. And God forbid that we would continue in a state of unthankfulness after coming to Christ. But it, that does happen. And we know it's true. Not only is it true, we say it this way, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we can say all have been ingrates and fall short of expressing proper thanks to the God who created us, to the God who provides for us, for the God who so loved us that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We not only fail to be thankful like we ought, but we also fail to get in right balance the physical and the spiritual. There's earthly things and there's spiritual things, earthly things and heavenly things, the, the, the temporal and the eternal. And you and I really do have a hard time balancing those things out. What do I mean by that? There are two things that tend to get in the way of our God-exalting gratitude. We can either get so focused on material things that we forget the spiritual blessings, or we can get so focused on the spiritual blessings that we forget to give thanks for the material things. We might call these, how about these terms? We might call one of them hyperphysicality and the other one hyperspirituality. We get so fixated on one or the other. 
Most people happen to be more focused on material blessings than spiritual. That's kind of a tendency. This is well known in our 21st century Western culture at large. The vast majority of people are so unaware of spiritual realities that even when there is gratitude for some kind of physical blessing, the spiritual is neglected if it's not outright rejected. We can be thankful for the temporal even while we could not care less about the eternal. So many are like that. But being too focused on the spiritual blessing is often just as dangerous from the so-called spiritual types, even in the church. Do you know that you can be so focused on the spiritual blessings that you will actually neglect or forget to thank God for the very physical things that he gives you? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, reminds the disciples as he's teaching them, he says that God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the evil and the good, his providence is everywhere, very physical things. Do not worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat. Your, your God knows all of these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other temporal things will be taken care of, and you can give thanks to God for all of them. But we can sometimes get so focused on the spiritual that we can be prone to downplay or forget God's physical blessings and we do so, we justify it. We justify it out of a fear that appreciating material things might somehow be a distraction from our thanksgiving for spiritual blessings, such as salvation in Christ alone. I, I, I want to thank God for my salvation. I want to thank God for heaven. I want to thank God for the, the word of God. I want to thank God. And we, we think of all these things, and we forget that God is in every detail of our lives, from the spiritual down to the the, the temporal, in every detail. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. There's not one atom that strays from his course. And so when you think about that, why would you not give him thanks for everything, not just the spiritual, but the physical blessings as well? And so we sin. We fail again and again to get that balance right. And I submit to you that only a heart that's transformed by faith in Jesus Christ is able to grow toward a balance that goes something along this, to say Christians are thankful for all of God's gifts, especially his eternal gifts, and especially the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, uh, his son, as Savior and Lord. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, I'll read that one for you. It says this, More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Now you say, wait a minute, that sounds like I'm forgetting all of the temporal blessings. No, it's just saying that when you get down to it, you thank him for all of your physical blessings, but ultimately, even those don't compare to this one thing, and that's knowing Christ. Never says not to thank God for the, for the physical blessings. Well, it brings us to our third point. We've been formed for thanksgiving. We've fallen from thanksgiving. And now the third point, we are forgiven by thanksgiving. You and I are literally forgiven by the thankfulness of someone. Now, how many of you have thought about that? God himself, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, entered into this thankless world 
and he lived in flawless appreciation of an obedience to his father, dying on our behalf for our chronic ingratitude. It is Jesus, the God-man, who has manifested not only a perfect life, but can I add a little statement here? He lived, he manifested the perfect life of thankfulness. Tell me, when did you not, when, when was there a time that Jesus was not thankful, even in his hard times? He was continually expressing attitudes of thankfulness. And if you've ever tracked the text where Jesus gives his father thanks, you will find that it is an impressive list. And so I'm going to go through a list that's supposed to be up on the screen and obviously is not because uh, uh, you're welcome to try to turn to these. I'll try to pause for a moment. You can turn to the Gospel of John to begin with. And I'm going to read for you for, from John 11. And in John eleven forty one, we see this first statement. You might know what has taken place in John 11. Uh, Lazarus has died, and Mary and Martha are distraught, and they have buried uh, Lazarus. He'd been in the tomb for four days. The great statement by now, he stinketh, according to the King James. Uh, you know, what can Jesus do because he's been dead for four days? Well, notice in John eleven forty one what that what the text says of all the things that Jesus does. You're going to tell me, well, what Jesus does is he raises Lazarus from the dead. Everyone knows this story, Pastor. But what was the attitude by which Jesus demonstrated this this uh, desire to see Lazarus raised? We see here in verse forty one of John eleven. So they removed the stone at Jesus. Uh, request. Then Jesus raised his eyes. He's looking to heaven and he said, listen, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Whatever he's about to do, he begins it. He hasn't even done it yet. And he thanks God, his father. And then he proceeds to do what? He raises Lazarus from the dead. His perfect thankfulness led to the resurrection or the the, uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 36, the, the scene there, of course, Jesus is feeding uh, the multitudes, and it says, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and what do you think it says? Giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples. So how does he proceed to now feed the multitude with just seven loaves and the fish he begins by what expressing thankfulness to God what kind of thanks is this for thank you for being the God who will do this through me thank you for being the God who's provided me this 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 opportunity and the power to perform this miracle this sign by which demonstrates the reality of the gospel we see it in Luke chapter 22 Verses 17 through 19, in the context of Luke 22, this is the, uh, the uh, inaugural uh, Lord's Supper. It's when he has his last supper with the disciples, and it says in verse 17, and when he, Jesus, had taken a cup and, what do you think it's going to say? Given thanks. He said, take this and share it among you, yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and, what do you think it's going to say? Given thanks. He broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So every time, every uh, uh, 
at the beginning of the Lord's Supper, he begins with the cup saying, I thank you for the cup. I thank you for what it represents. I thank you for uh, what, what this will mean. And, and of course, I, I would assume that Jesus had a, uh, uh, the ability to know that this would be practiced throughout the generations. And he gives thanks for the bread. And so we, follow, we see that Paul follows Jesus' pattern. According to Acts 27, 35, Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. So at the beginning of this meal, there is the giving of thanks. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, again in the same theme, as the apostle Paul is sharing the Lord's table with the, the Corinthians, he says, and when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let me say it to you this way. Jesus is not only God himself, but he is also ultimately the ultimately thankful human. Jesus is the ultimately thankful human. You will never find a human more thankful than Jesus. And who are we to imitate? Christ. The God-man not only died to forgive our failures in giving God the thanks he's due, but he also lived the perfect life of appreciation on our behalf towards the Father. He, is not, not, he not only is the ultimately thankful human then, he set the example for which all believers are to follow and to express the same kind of gratitude. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we've been forgiven by thanksgiving. It is because of the thankful attitude of Christ in what he endured on our behalf that we are forgiven. And that brings us to the fourth and final point which is freed for thanksgiving. You and I are freed for thanksgiving. By faith in Jesus, we are the redeemed. We've been redeemed from what? We say we're redeemed from sin. That's a broad statement. What are you redeemed from even more specifically? The sin of ingratitude. You no longer need to be ungrateful. You no longer need to remain in a state where you fail to give God the thanks that he is due. We are redeemed from ingratitude, and we are redeemed from its just eternal penalty in hell. We are free to enjoy the pleasures of being doubly thankful to God's favor towards us, not only as his creatures. We should be thankful that we have life. You wake up, you breathe in air. Who gave you that? God. By the way, did you thank God for that first breath you realized you took today? Probably not because you don't even think about the breaths that you take unless you happen to have a cold and you're like, wow, I wish I could breathe better, right? And then you know what I say in those kinds of times when I can't breathe because that doesn't happen very often. It's like, thank you, Lord, for giving me this cold by which I can't breathe because it makes me appreciate when I can, right? And you can be thankful for those kinds of things. Beloved, it is fitting for a creature to be in a continuous posture of gratitude towards his creator. You should be always thanking the creator for what he's done, how he's formed you. You were formed, as we said to begin with, for what? Thanksgiving. But it's even more fitting for the redeemed rebel to be in an ongoing posture of gratitude that there would be a redeemer. He was under no obligation to redeem you. He had, you had nothing by which to attract him to yourself. There is nothing by which you can say, God, you owe me something. 
and yet he sent his son, Jesus, to be the redeemer. And that should be enough for you to express gratitude for your salvation day after day, sometimes even moment by moment. The kind of life that flows from such amazing grace is the life of continual thankfulness. This is the kind of life in which the born-again Christian is continually being renewed and progressively being made more like Christ. If you want to be made more like Christ, then you seek to emulate the ultimately thankful human who is Jesus. And so let me run you through some verses. The Apostle Paul encourages Christians to live lives characterized by thanksgiving. So let me have you turn in your Bibles to Colossians because I I chose most of these from the book of Colossians. So turn to Colossians chapter 1. And I want to walk you through Colossians 1 and have you note how many times the apostle calls upon us to be thankful or says because we are believers in Christ, we can be, ought to be thankful. You know, I, I have this fond statement and sometimes preachers can fall back on their they're, they're comfortable little statements, but um, I do like to remind you, if the Word of God says something once, that's sufficient. If it says it twice, you better really start paying attention. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. If it says something three times, um, you better stop everything. It, now it's time to really get the, the, the thinking cap on and, and figure out what am I possibly missing that I have to be told three times that God is holy, holy, holy. And we're going to read through some passages from the book of Colossians, this letter of Paul to these believers. And he's going to make statements about them being thankful over and over and over and over again. Why? Does he have to say it so many times? Because our default position is ingratitude. So let's walk through this for, for just a moment. In, in uh, Colossians chapter 1, notice in verses 11 and 12 that Paul is encouraging believers to have lives characterized by thanksgiving. And he says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously, what? Giving thanks to God the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I sort of read it the way I wanted to. Do you notice the intensity building up here? It's building so that the climax is not on the all power, it's not on the glorious might, it's not on the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, it's in light of all that God is and in light of all that God has done that we become joyous givers of thanks to the Father because of what he has made us qualified to be, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So there's one time in the book of Colossians Later, if you look at chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, turn to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So he's already said that uh, your lives are characterized by all that God has done, and your response to all that God has done is giving thanks. Then he says in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, as you have received Christ, uh, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed overflowing with 
gratitude. So you see that the Christian life, Paul now the second time to the Colossians has said, you have been built up in the faith. You have everything you need to know Christ. You have been given everything necessary for life and godliness. What is your response? Gratitude. Gratitude. And then I'd have you look with me at chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And this is like, uh, what do they call it? A trifecta. I mean, he's already said it twice. In verses 15 through 17, I'm going to give you the heads up that three times in three verses, Paul says something about us being thankful. What does he say? Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be what? There's one. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. How? Giving thanks through him to God the Father. So now, what have, what, what have we done? We've had once in chapter 1, uh, a second time in chapter 2, and three times here. That's five times that the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians reminds believers that if you really are getting your head on straight, if you really understand who God is, if you have come to have a relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, it needs to result in, it needs to be expressed by thankfulness and gratitude. I find that to be an amazing statement. We have a couple of more. Ephesians 5.20, we are instructed this way. It says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Notice that the giving of thanks is always uh, because of what Christ has done for us, directed to God the Father. And then there's the great reminder I've already used at 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says what? Anybody know? In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're saved, if you are a believer in Christ, if you've come to recognize yourself as a sinner and Jesus as the Savior, you've come to, to know that God is holy and that you are so separate and, and, and uh, depraved and and. and set apart from him, that you need his work in everything. Give thanks for this is God's will for you. Now in Christ Jesus, you've come to recognize that Christ has given you everything. Christ has given you life. He has come that you might have life and have it abundantly. In everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, (laughs) give thanks. Only when we truly believe on Jesus I submit to you that we are able to become the kind of persistently thankful people God created us to be. Let me say that again. Only as we truly believe on Jesus are we able to become the kind of persistently thankful people God created us to be. The operative word being persistently. We are to be continually, persistently faithful. We are to be thankful when we don't feel like it. We're to be thankful when we do feel like it. 
We are to let everything that has breath, as we heard this morning, do what? Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what your day has been like. It doesn't matter what the year has been like. It doesn't matter how happy you are, how sad you are. You are to be a grateful person. That is the fulfillment of our human destiny. We were formed for thanksgiving. For the Christian, with both feet standing firmly in the good news of Jesus, there is always the possibility for giving true thanksgiving where other people know nothing for which to give thanks. And so I bring us back to that psalm that we began with. Psalm 107 verse 2 says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. I would like to encourage you to just think for a moment on all that God has done for you. And you can think of the spiritual and the physical. I would encourage you to maybe think in these moments just of one thing that stands out to you as a spiritual blessing and then one thing that stands out to you as a physical blessing. To recognize that you've been redeemed by the Lord to be able to say, I've been redeemed from my sin. I've been redeemed from my ingratitude. I am now thankful to God, and let me lay out the reasons for my thankfulness. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. So let us say so. Let us thank the Lord for every provision, for every providence, material and spiritual. In a moment, I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then I want to just give you all an opportunity to give thanks to the Lord, to express gratitude. This is something that ought to be done every day in your own quiet time, but I would submit to you that it is also something that ought to be done amongst the people of God, because as we hear how how one another is thankful to God for who he is and what he has done, that inspires, that ignites our own minds to think in terms of, I'm thankful to God as well for that. I'm thankful to God as well for this other thing. And so I'd have you consider those things for which you might express thankfulness to God. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We can't even begin to get our heads wrapped around what is meant by the words that we use, we, we encapsulate you by saying you are the supreme being. We recognize you as Yahweh, the self-existent one. Father, you are God. You are the Lord, and there's no one like you. There's no other Savior beside you. There are no other gods beside you. With whom do we compare you? What are you like? We, we go through all of the process of trying to get our heads wrapped around, but at the end of the day, we do know this that you are the God who has revealed yourself in the word. You are the God who has so loved us that you sent your son Jesus Christ to be the savior and the redeemer. We thank you for the many ways in which you have revealed yourself to us as individuals. We thank you this morning for the way that you have revealed yourself uh, as being the, the Lord of this church, God of this church. We thank you for your constant provisions of of the resources needed. We thank you for the people that you've brought into this house to to be brothers and sisters in Christ, laboring side by side to see the the kingdom of, of, uh, of heaven expanded. Father God, we thank you for what you're allowing us to 
to accomplish with regard to the, the physical needs of this, of this building and, and this facility. And Father, we thank you for the opportunities you're giving us to now go out and proclaim the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ who will bring people to himself through that proclamation. Father, help us to be thankful for that opportunity and to give you the proper praise for, by honoring you, by giving you thanks, by, by communicating what you have accomplished on our behalf to others. Now, Father, I ask that you would move within the hearts of your people. Help us to give this to you as an expression of our gratitude as we lift up our praises to you, as we thank you for who you are and what you have done. May you and your son Jesus Christ be praised as we ask this in Jesus' name.